and kind of go from there, but I want to look at a subject tonight. In verse 1, the Bible says, finally, Paul says, finally, my brethren, and I love this. You know why I like this? I know those who have preached before have noticed this. He said finally, but he wasn't done because he still had chapter 4 to go. And so it's okay to say finally and then have three or four more points, okay? I like this. So finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things unto you. I'm sorry, to write the, things, the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision, here it is, which worship God in spirit, and, rejo- and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And I want you to notice that word in verse 3, worship. I want to look at worship tonight. What does it mean to worship? Worship. And may the Lord help us tonight as we look at this. Everybody in the world worships something. Everybody in the world, every nation group, every, every social group, every... Uh, People group, we just got a letter from our, our missionaries in Brazil and you can go into the jungles of Brazil and they're worshiping something and they're worshiping somebody. And even those that say, well, I'm an atheist and I do not believe in God, they worship themselves. And actually, they really don't believe that. But anyway, they, they, we all worship something. We all worship someone. But we, as Paul was writing to the believers here, we worship the God of the Bible. We worship Jehovah God. Amen. Do you worship that God? He is, listen, He is the true God. He is the living God. He is the only God. He is the only God who has revealed Himself in the Word, uh, who we have, as Jesus said, tasted and seen that He is good. That's who we worship tonight. That is who we worship. We have been commanded to worship. All the way back in Exodus chapter 34, in verse 13, uh, Israel was commanded uh, to, to worship. He said this in verse 12, Exodus 34, in verse 12, he said, Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, break down their images, and cut down their groves, for thou shalt worship no other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Right? And so we've been commanded, we worship Him, and we worship Him alone. And actually, that shouldn't be that hard to do if you're in a relationship with Him. Because there's nobody else to worship. Except things that are vain. Except things that are empty. Except things that are going to burn up someday and be gone. I mean, listen, we worship the eternal living God. And I'm thankful for that tonight. There is a correct way to worship, right? Jesus said in John chapter 4 and verse 24 that those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Meaning what? Not in the flesh, but what is spirit? Paul said, if I sing, I'll sing in the spirit. If I pray, I will pray in the spirit. And uh, it's very easy to get into the flesh in those certain ways. But listen, you know when you're singing in the spirit, when you're singing and praying in the spirit, and when you're in the flesh. God says the worship that I accept, and this is a big thing here. I didn't really have this in my notes anywhere, but it's a good thing to remember that if we are worshiping God, it's up to him how he, how he receives and what he receives is worship. People come to God and say, well, I gave it to him. He should accept that. Kind of sounds like Cain, doesn't it? Right? Went off mad. Because you know what? You watch this. People will respond like Cain when you tell them, that's not worship. 
are you to say? God knows my heart, right? Well, no, that's not the point of it, right? If you had a right heart and you saw biblically this is something that God didn't want, you would say, well, I'll stop offering that. I'll, I'll find something that he wants, right? This is the whole aspect of worship in spirit and watch in truth. What does that mean? Here, just like what I'm saying, you, we don't bring to God something that's error as worship. Right? We don't bring to something to him that is not true. We don't worship him with something that the gods of this world are worshipped with. Right? Well, I, no, no, he has a way that we are commanded to worship, a correct way to worship, which means there is a wrong way to worship. Right? Over in Matthew chapter 4, you remember the scene. Uh, I'll set it for you again. Jesus had just been baptized. He went out to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He had been there for 40 days and 40 nights. He had not eaten. He had not drunk. He was getting hungry, right? And just at that time, at the end of the fast, Satan came to him, and we know what happened. He tempted him, right? He tempted him, took him up to the pinnacle of the temple. He said, cast yourself off. Right, If thou be the Son of God, if thou be the Son of God, he asked him three times, if thou be the Son of God, do this, do this, and do this. So this third time, he took him up to the mountains of the world, and he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world. And he said, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And what was Jesus' response? Jesus' response was what? Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. There's a couple things really going on here. Number one, Jesus established uh, worship, right worship and wrong worship, right? right? Satan said, worship me. If you'll worship me, I'll give you the kingdom of the world. Well, one thing, with, when you really understand what worship is, that's not possible. That's not possible. Worship includes time, energy, and money. It, includes, it means worship. We'll get into that a little bit later. There's nothing in Satan worthy of worship. He has done nothing. He has created nothing. He sustains nothing. All he does is kill and to destroy. So there's nothing in him that's worthy of worship. Jesus said, thou shalt worship the Lord. Now watch this. He said, thy God. <laughs> I love that. Did you know Satan has a God? Yes, his creator. The one, listen, the one he was tempting was the one who created him. I mean, this is an awesome scene going on here. Yet one day, the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that, you know, to, to the glory of the Father, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know who that includes? Satan. One day, and I, I, I've told you this, I see it in my own mind. I hope it plays out this way. And if it doesn't, it'll be awesome one way or the other. But, but I just, I, I imagine all of humanity, all of creation is going to fall silent that day. And one measly, scrawny little voice is going to say, you are Lord. Yeah. It'll be the voice of Satan who will confess one of these days, thou art Lord, before he's forever cast into a lake of fire. No, he's, no, he's, going, to, he's going to have to confess it one of these days. He will. Jesus said that, the, you know, that he's supposed to worship. We are told that we worship in spirit, in truth. We are told that we, the Lord thy God is the only one who we worship. Uh, we don't worship something that is not worthy of worship. In John chapter 4, Jesus told that Samaritan woman, she, he said, she said, well, we worship, we, we worship here in the mountain. And Jesus said, ye worship, you know not what. You don't know what you're worshiping. You have no idea who you're worshiping. The very God that created her as well was standing right in front of her and she had no idea at all 
Well, she did eventually. It was wonderful. And boy, she knew, she knew what worship was after that, right? But uh, worship, right? Worship. Do you know we're going to worship forever? <laughs> look, at Ro- look at Revelation chapter 4. Turn back to Revelation 4. I love this. We get a little bit of a scenery. Again, God pulls a curtain back and He shows us here in Revelation chapter 4. Look at verse 1. After I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. What a voice, huh? Which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. This is future. So John is seeing what's going to be coming. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. It wasn't the one the Sodomites are trying to use, right? This is a different one than the Hattie Man. No, it's the same one. They've just stolen it. Uh, like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crown of, uh, crowns of gold. It just reminded me. I want to uh, say this before I forget. There was, God did not put a, a rainbow over Sodom and Gomorrah. Judgment's coming. It absolutely is coming. It is. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which were the seven spirits of God. And, uh, and verse 7, And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf. The third beast had a face of a man. The fourth beast was like a flying eagle. What a scene, huh? And the fourth beast had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. We get a little more of a, uh, of a, of a uh, description here than we got in Isaiah 6 of these angels. We saw that they had eyes within and without. What an interesting thing. Look at verse 9. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. Now, many people believe this is representative of all of, all of Christendom, the four and twenty elders, all of the saints of God. Uh, they're gonna, uh, they, they are here on, the, on uh, that uh, that uh, they fall down before that sat on the throne and worship him, listen, that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. We're going to worship forever. We're going to forever worship our God. Why? Because He is worthy. Because He is creator. Do you really think God's done creating? I don't think so. Do we have any revelation? Well, we know He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. What's after that? I don't know, but He's a creator. And He's eternal. I mean, uh, there is no telling. We, there, we, we, we probably couldn't handle it if God told us what all He's going to do, what he's, what's in on the scene. I just know this, we'll never get bored and we're never going to get tired and we're going to be worshiping for the rest of our eternal existence, right? And now, now we see this and worship is a wonderful thing. It's a needful thing. It's a, it's, we, were built, we were created to worship. 
And it's one thing to worship when we're in the presence of Jesus. It's one thing to worship when, we're, when the preaching is great. It's one thing to worship when, man, the choir is, is full and the instruments are right on and the singing is just phenomenal and, the, and the, the voices are ringing out. You've been in those services, right? I mean, it's just it just lifts you up and it's an, an incredible place to be. It, it's, it's easy to worship when the job is going well. It's easy to worship when the family is in harmony. I'm telling you, you, you see what I'm saying? It's easy to worship when you're in the throne room of God, right? And the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy. I mean, it is one thing to worship when you're there. But you know what? There are times when God brings us to times in our lives to test us to see how we're going to react when those trials come. I want to show you three people tonight. And I'm going to show you the reaction in trials. I want to show you the, re- the reaction in trials. Go to Job chapter 1. You're very familiar with Job. How can, I mean, when you talk about trials, I mean, how, I mean, all you have to say is Job. Or if you don't know, Job. And they'll figure that out too, right? <laughs> Job chapter 1. We know what happened to Job, right? He was a man, verse 1, in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, and one that feareth God and escheweth evil. We talked about that in Proverbs a while back. Proverbs chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? What is the fear of the Lord? It's to believe God. God gives reproof. That's what it says in verses 29 and 30. Proverbs chapter 1. Reproof. Here, here is Job. He's a man who is upright. He's perfect. He's, he's spiritually mature. He fears God. He, he believes God. Watch. We know he believes God. Why? Because he's sacrificing he, he believes the reproof. He believes whatever reproof they had, whatever he has seen, he believes it. And it goes on to list here that he had daughters born unto him, right? There were daughters, seven sons, three daughters. Uh, his substance was 7,000 sheep. He had a lot of things. He had a lot of wealth. God had blessed him. Even Satan himself later says, well, if, if you'd remove your hand from him, hand of protection, obviously Satan has acknowledged that God, because of, of, of Job's relationship with God, God has, God has put his hand of protection on him and has allowed him to prosper in an incredible way. So things are going well. He's healthy. He's happy. He has wisdom. He's godly. Look at verse 3. His substance also is 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen. 500 she asses in a very great household so that the man was great of all the men of the east. Wow. A thousand ox. Today, what did I said they go for? Anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand dollars a piece, depending on how good they are. I haven't owned an ox in a long time, ever, so I don't know what they go for around here. But uh, we don't really have ox around here, do we? We got mules. Yeah, those aren't worth much. But no guy's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of stuff. Absolutely. He's doing well. He's doing very well. But we know what happens, right? Satan comes. Again, God draws the curtain back. We get to look behind uh, the scene a little bit and see what's going on here. And in verse 13, Satan shows up. And it says there was a day when his, when his uh, sons, uh, I'm sorry, not verse 13. I got to jump back up. Verse 6. 
Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord, and said, From going uh, to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down in it, just, you know, knocking around the world, trying to see what I can mess up, right? And uh, the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Obviously, we understand from God's question that Satan was looking for something to destroy. That's what he does. He's come to kill and to destroy, right? Yeah, that's what he's done. He was looking for something. God said, have you thought of Job? I mean, if I heard God say that, I'd be like, wait a minute, (laughs) right? Yeah. What about Micah? Try Micah. (laughs) I'm busy right now, right? Yeah. So... Don't try my wife, because that will affect me too, right? Try, try Audra. Try Audra. She's, right? Have you considered Job? Have you considered messing up his life? I mean, oh, wow. It's interesting, huh? I love, very interesting. Job says, ah, it won't matter. You've got a hedge around him. God says, do what you want, just don't kill him. And we know what happens to Job, right? When he attacks. In verse 13 he loses his oxen. He had a lot of them, remember? Thousands of dollars. And the servants that went with him. In verse 16, we see the fire of God came down. He lost his sheep and the servants that went with those. In, in, uh, in the same in verse 16 again, I believe it is, you see the Chaldeans show up and they come and take all the camels and kill those servants too. I mean, he's just, he's, there's nothing left. And when the bomb really hits, I don't know if we can really fathom this, but ten children at once, ten at once. Verse 18, look at this. While he was yet speaking, this is all one day. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. Grief overwhelmed him. We can't, we can't, we can't understand it. We cannot. We cannot. Some have lost children and and I, I just can't understand that. But all of them at once? I mean, on top of everything else, we can't. Grief overwhelmed him. He shaved his head, put on sackcloth ashes. But notice what he did. Notice his knee-jerk reaction to the absolute tragedy in his life. Would you look at this again? Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. It didn't say he put ashes on his head. I apologize. But notice this. And worshipped. Wow. No, this is his reaction to, to something that came into our, his life that none of us will ever understand. Maybe none of us, hopefully, will never experience what Job has gone through. And the first thing he knows to do is, to, is yes, grief, and that's necessary, and then worshipped. What did he do? 
He, watch, worth, worth-ship. Wor- wor- that's what worship means, worth-ship. He found out what was worthy in God and turned his attention to it. Look what he said. Look what he said. He said, he, he said Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. Worship. Pretty incredible, actually. He's not the only one that does this. We just talked about Abraham in Sunday school and the journey to, uh, journey to the mountains of Moriah over in Genesis uh, chapter 22. Over here in Genesis, he was tested in verse 1 and 2. Job was tested, right, by God. Here in Genesis 22, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt. He tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And we see his obedience in verses 3 through 14. And here he is, he goes up. And he's going to go up and obey what God has told him to do. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. I said this in Sunday school. A burnt offering. God was telling Moses he's not coming back. It was a burnt offering, right? He brought the knife. He brought the fire. He brought the wood. This was the son he waited 25 years for. This was the son that he loved. This wasn't Ishmael. This was Isaac. This was the promise, right? This was the one that he had waited for. And God says, I'm going to test you. No, he didn't tell Abraham this. But God sent out to test him. And he says, I want you to go. The Bible says what? It's a three-day journey. Three days he had to think about this. Three days he had to ponder it. And as he's walking up the mountains of Moriah there, as he's walking up, hey, 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 Calvary. Yep. Isaac says, where's the, where's the lamb? Where's, where's the sacrifice? He didn't say, you're it. Could you imagine that? Well, you're it. Tag. <laughs> he figured it out eventually when he got down on the altar, right? He said, we love this, right? I talked about it Sunday. That, that prophetic word he said there. God will provide himself the lamb. How beautiful is that? But watch this. Abraham had every intent to kill Isaac and to burn him up as a burnt offering. Don't doubt he didn't. I told you this on Sunday. That when, when God told him to go, he, 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 I, I like this, he... Uh, he Somebody had said this before. I forgot who it was years ago. I think it was Noah Broughton or something like that. He, he said, if you notice, God called Abraham once, told him to go one time, but he had to tell him twice to stop. Abraham, Abraham, right? He was going to finish this out. He was. Yeah. Thankfully, God had a ram caught in the thicket. But we can't fathom this. I don't think there's anybody in this room has ever had an offering that God has asked of us at this, at this magnitude. I know people out there, they have given away cars. They have given away large sums of money. They have given away houses and things like that. There are th- things that have given away large, uh, I mean, things to us that are like unbelievable. But no, 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 not, not a child like this. Not a child that they loved. Not a child that they waited for. Not a child of promise. 
Think about how much promise. It's a lot of promise. Promise of a Messiah? Yeah. You see, when loss was about to come, when loss was about to come because of one man's obedience, look what he says here. In verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for a burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. And then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. Look at this. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Worship. God was testing Abraham. And Abraham's words to his servants in the midst of the testing of God. What are you doing here, Abraham? We're worshiping. What are, what's going on with Isaac? He, know, he knew exactly what God told him to do. He hadn't even told Isaac yet what was going on. No, he knew he was bringing Isaac up to the top of the mountain. He was going to kill him and burn him as a burnt offering. And his response to this was, what is going on here is, we're worshiping. We're worshiping. Time, energy, money. That's worship. It includes time, energy, and money. I don't know if we have time, but in 2 Samuel, you'll remember the sin of David. 2 Samuel chapter 12. I'll just read one verse out of there so we, we know the background of what happened, right? David and Bathsheba sin. Bathsheba has a child. The baby is sick. God is going to take the child. And David has been praying. He's been fasting and praying. He said, unless God has mercy, you know, and Allows the child to live. Now, God has already told him the child was going to die, but I like that he prayed anyway. <laughs> now, notice 2 Samuel chapter 12. Look at verse 20. Well, look, look at verse 19. But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said unto his servant, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Watch this. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel, and came into the house of the Lord, and worshipped. Worshipped. When loss came that was out of Job's control, his knee-jerk reaction was worship. When loss was about to come, because of one man's obedience, he called it worship. Watch this. When loss came because of one man's sin, His response, he called it worship. He worshiped. Three types of loss. Three people worshiped. They worshiped God. They showed God's worth to themselves, to what he was worth to them. This is what worship is, right? We're showing his worth. We're showing it in our time, in our energy, and in our money. That's how we show our worth That's how we show our worth of anything. That's why when you can go down that list of time, energy, and money and see what takes up most of your time, most of your energy, most of your money, you kind of know what you're worshiping. Yeah. 
time, energy, money. You know, coming, listen, assembling in the body is an, just the very point of assembling is worship. Before any, quote, worship even goes on, just getting in the car and, and getting ready and getting in the car and driving over here and walking into the door is worship. It's time and energy and money. You're showing that how worthy God is by just assembling. And that's just where it starts. And it goes to the singing and it goes to the preaching and it goes to the giving and it goes to all of those things. Worship is an act Watch, it is an act, it is an act that shows God's worth to us. It shows the world how much worth we say God has. We do it in word and we do it in deed in how we act. We do it in word. How? By singing. <laughs> singing is an aspect of worship. It is. Some singing is not worship. I'm not saying because they're bad singers. I'm saying because what is being sung, right, is not, is not always in spirit and in truth. Sometimes it's flesh and error and it's not worship. But worship is seen. It's an act that is seen that we do of, of our own volition. It's a choice that we do in, in word by singing, by praying, by, by praising God. It's all worship. It's what we do indeed. It's what we do indeed. How's that? When we take up offerings. When you fill out your missions for the year. What are you doing? You're saying, God, I believe you're worthy because you love the world. And you've commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost part of the world. I believe you're worthy. Worthy. And so we give. We worship you in our giving and offering. We worship indeed, how? By our lifestyle. By the way we live, by what we do and by what we don't do. We are worshiping God. Watch this. You want to see another aspect of worshiping? You see it all through the word of God. By kneeling and bowing. Prostrate. Literally, physically getting down. On our knees, sometimes on our face, in worshiping God. It's a choice. It's a choice of faith. It's, it's an act of faith, right? Yeah. See, this is why an invitation is so important at the end of a preaching service. You have come here, you have left your house in an, hopefully in an attitude of worship. You have come here in an attitude of worship. You are singing, we are praising, we are, we are giving, we are, uh, we are living, we are worshiping. And at the end of it all, after the word is preached and the challenge is given out and, and, and the Holy Spirit has spoken, we say what has been said here, what has been done in my heart, oh God, you are worthy and I get down and I worship and I bow and I kneel and I respond to the one who is drawing and trying to change we're worshiping hey listen sometimes you can go through all of the motions and never deal with God at the end and you've left off an aspect of worship that is absolutely necessary yeah. worship see one of the greatest evidences of spiritual maturity is our ability to worship when the testing and the adversity comes. Right? I said, oh, it's, e it's easy to worship when everything's going well. Right? It's, easy, it's easy to worship. I, I, I tell you what, I got on the plane this 
afternoon, and some of these little planes that go from Springfield to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, you, you know, I have this little roller bag that has all my stuff in it, and they don't let you put it on there, right, on some of these little flights. They fit. Everything fits. I don't know why. <laughs> right? But you get on there and go, oh, they gotta, you got to put your bag over here and put the tag on it, and you'll get it at the end. I don't want to get it at the end. I got what stuff in it I want now, right? Yeah. It's not always the easiest to worship right there. Right? Yeah. It's easy to worship when they say, oh, come on in. Oh, guess what? We'll upgrade you to sit next to the pilot. How would you like that? Oh, that'd be great, you know? Yeah, boy, and then you're worshiping the Lord, going through the air. Yeah, it's wonderful, yeah. 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 Isn't it funny the little things that keep us from worshiping? The little insignificant things that really don't matter. When the manager came and got me out of the store, I was locked in. Uh, he said, sorry, I am so sorry. sorry. I said, it's okay. I got that. Well, that was kind of funny. I got a kick out of it. And uh, I said, you know, there are far worse things going on in the world tonight than this, probably. I think this is not a big deal. <laughs> so, yeah. When you don't understand, when you hurt, when you're afraid, when you're uncertain of the future, our knee-jerk reaction should be like Job, should be like Abraham. When we have failed again, should be like David in worship. Why? Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Going through some valleys tonight. You know, I am convinced there are valleys people go through that I will never know of. There are things that are in closets, not because they're wicked in closets, I'm just saying there are things that are hidden away that people are never going to talk about. Valleys. Dark places. Great loss. The prospects of great loss. You're looking at your future going, that's gone. I'm losing this. I, I, I have enjoyed this. How old, how old was, was um, Isaac? I don't know. Some say 18. Some say 33. I, you know, there's, I don't know. He was old enough to have done something else and said, I'm out of here. Thanks, Dad. You know, what am I saying? Uh, Abraham had a future in his mind with this son. Some of you have planned out your futures and it hasn't turned out. Some of you are, are, are looking at futures now. And you're going, didn't plan that. Yeah. Things we don't know about. I, I don't know about them. You do. Are you worshiping? Are you worshiping? He is worthy. And you know what it shows in your maturity? Right? It, it shows that your relationship with God, our relationship is so close that even when these things come, like Job says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. When you trust him, you can worship in the adversity. Yeah. You know what? I, I want to get there. I don't think I am. I don't think anybody, we've, none of us have arrived. 
But I certainly want to get to that stage of life regardless of the test, right? Regardless of what it is, that my first reaction is to worship and say, I trust you, I trust you. Yeah. Anybody else want to be there? Can anybody else kind of go along with me? Amen. Oh, good. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Father, you test us. You send us through, you allow us to go through deep valleys. You allow us to sin and bring destruction to a life. And Lord, I watched these three examples and so thankful there's other examples through history of those that have worshipped in the midst of adversity. Lord, would you help us to get there? Would you help us to get to have such a close walk with you that we trust you so deeply that whatever comes into our life by testing and turmoil, Lord, that our first response would be to acknowledge through our life, our actions, and our words that you are worthy and we trust you. Thank you tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand tonight? I don't know how you need to speak to the Lord tonight. The invitation is open. Maybe you just need to spend some time with the Lord. Just say, you know what? I want to get there. I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't think I'm there at a place where I can worship when the adversity comes. But I want to be. I want to be. Maybe you're going through some times right now. Nobody even knows about them. Only the Lord. And He's testing you. And tonight you want to say, you know what? I'm going through some valleys and I really do want to respond with worship. I don't want to respond with worry. I don't want to respond with fear. I don't want to respond. Have you ever gone through that in life and you get to the end of it and go, what a waste of time that was? Just to worry and fret and fear and <laughs> can't sleep, upset stomach, and you realized you should have just trusted. Should have just worshipped. living a life of worship. Worship. said we'll see you Wednesday, but this is Wednesday, isn't it? <laughs> okay, we'll see you the next time. That's the ne- we'll, we'll just say that that way. Do remember to pray for some of the others. Brother Martin is still healing up. Good to see him Sunday. And